Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What I had to learn was if I sit here and shame myself for my bad behavior and the things that I'm doing wrong, I am not going to be able to look for that light and get out of where I'm at now. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. My name is Sam Webb, and this show is dedicated to ending the stigma around mental health through community, connection, and the hard-hitting truth. I'll be speaking with guests from all over the world about life to inspire and to educate people to speak up so that we can save more lives. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Hello, everyone, and welcome back onto the podcast. So great to have you guys back here with me today. It's the 28th of April, and I cannot believe how fast time's going. Have you guys looking at your watch lately and just think, bloody hell, it's going so fast. I really don't know where this time's going. I feel like 2020 was a real blur, if I'm being honest, but I hope everyone's safe and well and healthy, and I hope from listening to these episodes on the podcast, you guys are able to learn a lot and connect with those people that I'm speaking with from right around the world. Well, I want to introduce our next guest onto the podcast. Her name is Lindsay Bell. I was actually connected to Lindsay through a mutual friend of ours, Jason Goldberg, who was on the podcast back in April. This girl has been through hell and back. Like a lot of us, she's suffered her own traumatic experiences and has been through so much pain. And I want to find out through Lindsay's eyes and her vision as to what she did to get through some of the most toughest experiences you could ever imagine after losing her sister in a motorcycle accident and two years later her brother took his own life i want to find out from her perspective what that impact had on her own life as well as her family's how she kept her stuff together how she deals with it today but more or less how she turned her pain into glory and grace and how she uses that today to fuel her entrepreneurial activities and her speaking engagements along with a a whole range of other things to better off her own life but those of other people she comes with a wealth of energy a lot of experience and just a great egg who hails from the beautiful sunny state of arizona so let's get us straight onto the podcast today and please get into this one guys please share with us what your thoughts are any feedback you've got for the show we're always open to hearing from that so that we can make it better for you guys Lindsay is going to be an absolute honor to speak with today so let's get us straight on the podcast without further ado welcome Lindsay bell Lindsay Bell, it is a real pleasure to have you on the podcast today. We've been connected through mutual friends, Jason Goldberg. Hey. Let's shout out to Jace. What a great man he is. We had him on the podcast not long ago too. He's, a, he's an awesome individual, isn't he? How did you guys meet? Oh my goodness. So we met actually a few years ago in LA. We had a mutual friend and I was actually assisting her for one of her events that she had. She had a weekend event, Nicole Sylvester. She's amazing. Shout out to you. And anyway, Jason came to speak at that event and he got up and he's like all serious at first. I'm like, oh, he's going to be hilarious. And then all of a sudden, left and right, 
F-bombs here, F-bombs there. He's like rapping and shit. I'm like, who is this dude? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you are my energy all day. Like, we got to talk. So anyway, we ended up chatting and just like really hit it off and shared stories and got to know each other and just kept in touch throughout the years. And he's just an awesome human. So Love him. He is an awesome human and it's amazing the people that you meet in the world who connect you with other like-minded individuals who have been on similar journeys. And I guess I'd like to start off in this conversation with you by asking you the importance of storytelling. I mean, you connected with Jace and then we've connected over some really traumatic, tragic circumstances, but a lot of good light coming from them. What's the importance to you of sharing story? What's that mean to you? I love that you asked me this. So I'll just start by sharing that. Like when I was in my darkest times of my life, I really reached out and wanted to find biographies and different stories of people that had gone through or are going through the same thing that I was because it gave me hope. You know what I mean? I feel like it's so easy to look at somebody's success and be like, oh, they're overnight, blah, blah, blah. And when people share their stories of their deep, tremendous pain and sacrifices and things that they have gone through, it gives hope to the human nature to just say, wow, like there is a way, there are tools, there's hope in this life. You know what I mean? And so storytelling is so, so important to me. And I love more than anything to just sit down with somebody and have a conversation about their life because everyone is so unique and so special. And that's like what makes us who we are today in this moment. It's very true. It is. But there are a lot of people who are probably listening to the podcast right now that would highly and highly agree with both of us and what you've just said around the importance of storytelling. But then there are some people who are very very nervous about sharing. They're not really at that stage in their life or their journey to be able to be open and honest and share. What are your tips to people that might be on the fence right now of sharing their own journey or or a journey in their life that might be very scary to talk about? You know, it's okay to feel scared. And I think a lot of times us as humans, we really try to avoid those like fearful thoughts and scary emotions. And really they just benefit us. You know what I mean? I think that there's seasons of life And a lot of times the hardest thing to do is to speak out and share. But at the end of the day, if you feel safe and connected with somebody, taking the monster out of the idea that it's so scary and fearing that you're not going to be enough. And if you're not going to be enough, you're not going to be loved, right? It's all fear-based. Once you share and find out that you're safe and you have so much support and love, it's so gratifying to be able to open up your heart in that way and share a piece of you that is vulnerable and raw. But it also is what makes you the greatest version of yourself and who you are. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. And it is very dawning as well at times. I think everyone's story, no matter what it is and where they're from and what they've been through, I think everyone's got their own experiences and we can't really compare mine to yours or yours to someone else's. And and I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, we connected through very similar stories through doing very similar work. And, you know, obviously us starting living after the death of our good friend Dwayne Lally in 2013 and you going on this whole complete transformational journey in your own life after you lost your your sister and your brother, Ryan and Christy, uh, in the past. And I'd love to talk to you more or less how you're able to keep your shit together. Let's be honest. (laughs) You know, I often use humor and whatnot to cover sometimes how I feel because it's really traumatic about the experience and whatnot. But you've been through some really, really deep shit. 
Yeah. And I wouldn't wish obviously it on anybody's life. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to, you know, keep it all together? Yeah. I mean, I love that you say that because I always tell people like in a funny way and you're absolutely right. Like sometimes we use those joking things as like a defense mechanism or something to kind of hone down the heaviness of it. But to keep my shit together, I mean, I always tell people like the reason I got into yoga, the reason I got into meditation and breath work and all of these tools is because my shit was so fucked up (laughs) and in better ways than one. And I think I got so sick of hurting Sam. Like I just got so sick of feeling so much pain and inside of me, I knew deep, deep, deep down when I was at the worst of the worst that there is a light. I've seen it. I've read about it. I know it's there. I know that there's got to be a way out of this deep suffering and this deep pain. And what I'll say with that is losing my brother and my sister now on the backhand of it, I realized the pain and the suffering so much more now that they went through and they didn't have to hurt and suffer that bad. And so now I feel like it's my duty. It's my quest to really, really go all in head first and make sure that like, it is a non-negotiable for me to wake up and meditate and journal and work out, move my body. Like these things are non-negotiables for me because it is the only way I truly do keep my shit together because from what I've experienced and I'm no doctor, but like our brains, our minds have been around for 2 million years and it's there to protect us and to keep us safe. So in those scary moments, my brain was just like, I just want to stay in a fucking box. You know what I mean? I don't want to go out in the world and feel this pain and the suffering. So getting more into like, where can I find that beautiful state where I can just actually breathe calm my nervous system down and feel that light, right? Because that's all that I really believed in at that time. I was very confused. And so if I knew, okay, meditation makes me feel that way. And it's not mm, sitting like a monk, like there's so many different styles of meditation. And I'm sure we'll talk about that, but it's just finding a way to get into my body and not let my mind take over everything and create all of these stories and more pain and more suffering, because that's what it's there to do and break out of that by breathing into my physiology and in my body. And that has literally been like the most simplest thing that I could have ever done day-to-day basis that helps me keep my shit together still to this day. And it's never over. I do it every single day. Yeah. Very powerful stuff. It is necessary though to keep repeating it because it's like a muscle, isn't it? If you forget to do it for a couple of weeks, you really feel the effects of your life. And unfortunately, you know, and and just being brutally honest, these past journeys and these past experiences and losing loved ones, it's not like they disappear. You just learn to manage it somewhat better, I guess. What was the turning point in your life? Where did it all start for you before it hit rock bottom? Yeah. So it's very interesting. I'll kind of go back to the the very beginning, the basics, if you will. I'm the baby of five kids. So I had a very big family. Great big family. Great big family. (laughs) Oh yeah. We were the Brady Bunch for sure. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so we grew up, you know, great childhood. My parents got divorced just right before I was born. It was kind of an accident, but I was knocking on my mom's door like, I'm coming. It's happening, bro. (laughs) Yep. They had protection. Like they were going through a divorce. My parents were going through a divorce and decided to get together one last time. And I came through on protection. I was like, I'm making a statement, guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're a miracle baby. <laughs> right. And my mom had just found out she had thyroid cancer and competed in her first bodybuilding show and just left the Mormon church. So I was born into my family with my mom. She decided that the church just wasn't for her. And so going through her divorce, she really got enlightened into the spiritual world. So when I was born, I got all of my mom believing into the spirituality, which is where a lot of my light comes from. So I'll start with that. So shortly after by a family member, I was getting severely abused from like age to three. If we want to get nitty gritty, I mean, it was things... Like, I mean, I had to eat shit at one point, literally like poop. I had warts all over my body and like they would clip them off with fingernail clippers. I would be bleeding. And so the reason I share these experiences is because right at that time, I was so afraid to speak up, right? We talked about that earlier, that fear of like being vulnerable and sharing something. And when you're a kid, your development is just happening in your brain. And we don't understand what our thoughts and our beliefs and how to process certain things. So I did not say anything for a very long time, but my belief system when that was happening is I am not loved. I'm worthless. I'm a piece of shit. My dad is not going to save me. Nobody's going to protect me. All of those beliefs were imprinted at me at a very young age. So I you know, finally said something to my mom shaking and I stopped going and we moved on from that. And I did some counseling and like really thought I was doing well, but from then I really turned to food. So food was my outlet of trying to cope. And I gained a lot, a lot of weight. So at a very young age, probably like eight or nine was when I really started to do that because it was all I could control. And I didn't understand at that time I would sneak food and do anything that I could. And then getting a little bit older was always very happy and bubbly. You know, nothing ever really got me down. had a lot of friends and just really was an open person and in dance and all these things. But when I got into high school or junior high and high school was when I started to notice that people paid attention to your body and the boys and the girls. And so I was tired of being the fat friend. I would get made fun of all the time. I was bullied pretty severely just about being the big girl and all of those things and having warts. I would really get teased a lot. And so I decided you know, what was the quick fix? Because I couldn't stop myself from eating. I just want to ask you a couple of questions there on the food. So when you say it was the only thing in your life that you sort of had control over, would you abuse it in a way that you were addicted to it and you would eat and eat and eat? And sometimes you wouldn't eat? How did it work? What was that relationship like with food? Talk to me further about that because I find that fascinating. Yes. I'm really glad that you asked me that. When I first started doing it, I didn't realize what was happening, right? The more you eat sweets, the more you're going to crave it. So as a kid, I didn't realize that I was trying to control it and eat it. I just did it, you know? And so getting older, what I realized is I did become addicted to it. Like food was all I could think about because it was the only thing that brought me pleasure because what was happening up here was those belief systems in the subconscious mind of like, I'm unworthy, I'm not good enough, anything that would happen in school, all of those things would repeat and I didn't understand it. So the food gave me comfort. It gave me that spike in the brain of that dopamine hit, right? It gave me that spike and I was like, ooh, okay, so I'm gonna- Give me some more, give me some more, give me some more. It's like like a drug. Absolutely, it's an addiction, a million percent and it's not to be taken lightly, you know? With that, I knew that that dopamine hit, so to speak, and that addiction, I didn't realize at the time it was the only thing that brought me a good feeling. 
right? Other than like some of my friends and dancing and stuff like that. I love singing and dancing. And that gave me a very exciting feeling as well. But moving on into high school with all of that body image stuff coming up, I didn't want to get rid of food. So I ate and stuffed my face and I became bulimic. So I would eat, 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 and then I would throw it up and purge. And this was consistent every single day for a year, probably. And then I would go in and out where I, like, I wouldn't eat at all. Like, oh, I'm going to be anorexic now. Like anything that I could do to get that attention, right? So I wanted that attention, but I was very sad inside. And I was just chasing to feel better, honestly. Like it's not anything of anything else. You're just wanting to feel better about anything. So with that, I lost a lot of weight and it wasn't healthy. Nobody knew I hit it very well. That's also something like I'll say, like paying attention to the signs of people. We'll get more into that with my brother as well. Is so important because most times you don't know because you become very good at hiding it, right? That shame cycle starts and you want to hide it all. You don't want anybody to see those parts of you. Well, at least for me, that was the case. So from that age, I was very into music and dance and I really wanted to sing. And at the time, my mom was living in New York and she was working for the New York Knicks. She's a massage therapist and she was out there and I begged her to let me go. So she finally let me go as a sophomore in high school. And I went and I realized that purging was affecting my voice. So right then and there, I quit cold turkey because I wanted music and I believed in myself in that way way more than the craving of that. So in a sense, like, I think at that age, I was like, I'm powerful. I can stop something because I always wanted to stop. I never wanted to do that, but just like any addiction, you keep going and you keep going and it's just this cycle and you've got to find something that means more to you than what's happening. That gives you hope to change. And it helps you feel empowered. Oh yeah. So that you're changing the outcome of that. Cause if you're stuck in that rat race of that ferris wheel so to speak where you're going round and round purging eating purging eating purging eating and it's just continuous yeah it's a very savage cycle Mm -hmm. but if you're able to break that in a way maybe it's a higher power a skill or or a dream that you wanted to live out you know within yourself you almost gain a little bit of confidence and hang on a minute i am strong enough to make a difference or a change in my life i actually have more control than i actually believe i did is that how you felt Oh yeah. And that was the first time I had really like believed in myself, like, Oh wow. Like I can do this. And I really truly believe if anybody out there listening, like I'm sure you have felt this at some point in your life. And Tony Robbins says it best. We don't need to have these crazy experiences for us to change. But unfortunately for a lot of humans, it takes these painful experiences for us to get a little bit of leverage to change. And he says, it happens when you go forward, there's pain. And suffering. When you go right, there's pain and suffering. When you go back, there's pain and suffering. When you go left, there's pain and suffering. Now you have this box and there's nowhere to go. So if you realize you continue down this cycle, you're only going to get pain and suffering and that dopamine and all of that stuff is gone now. That's where most people change. They decide to make a change. Something tragic happens or something really bad happens in their addiction. And then they decide to change. It's that leverage, like you said, you know? So at that time, I absolutely believed that. And so I jumped right into music headfirst. I got into a girl group. I was signed to Def Jam and I just went headfirst in that. I graduated high school online and I was in the business and it was 
absolutely incredible. I was fighting for my dream. I, I always knew I had that fire inside of me. And so I just kept fighting for it. But what I didn't realize in this whole time of having all of this is those belief systems were still running in the back of my mind because I never truly dealt with them. So the binging and purging kind of turned into other different situation. So I started attracting really unhealthy partners into my life, people that abuse me. Can you explain me why? Can you talk to me further on why? I've always been in the past when I was younger, you know, people would go back to relationships that weren't fulfilling and there was there wasn't any good coming from them. What why is that? Can you tell me from your own experiences why you'd go back to situations like that? And how is that correlated with the eating stuff? Sure. So for my experience, and I can only speak from my experience, none of that was my fault, right? Growing up and being a little girl and that happening to me. And unfortunately, I have these beliefs that I was unworthy of love and not realizing it and not understanding that those always were stuck inside of me. Those traumatic events and we don't work through them. They're stuck in our bodies. And I truly believe that we attract what we are. So if deep down I'm thinking I'm unworthy and I'm not lovable and I have to constantly work to be loved, hence going into the music industry, I got to work to be loved and be accepted. I was a very hard worker. I still am to say, but that power of like, I will do it. It's like, I felt in that time that I was not worthy unless I worked so hard for it to prove to people that I'm worthy, but really we're all worthy, right? We're born worthy. So tell me, and sorry if we're getting off track here, but I'm interested. You're working so hard because you already feel worthless and not good enough and not lovable and all that sort of stuff. What does working harder and harder and harder tell your brain? What was that telling you in those times? Because I often find myself overworking and there's no real necessary reason to work that hard. And are you putting more pressure on yourself than you really need to? What are you aiming for? Like, is enough not good enough? Yeah, I love that you asked that question. I mean, still to this day, I'm still that same hard worker. It's just with a different intention, so to speak. With that being said, like, what I wanted to say that correlates with the food with that is it just transformed into another, so to speak, addiction. So now my addiction was working hard to prove that I was worthy of love, prove that I was worthy to be seen, prove that I was worthy of anything. And I was always just chasing and chasing and chasing that once I do this, then I'll feel happy. Once I get this deal, then I'll feel happy. Once I get this weight, then I'll feel happy. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Like I'm getting all this stuff and I'm achieving these goals and getting this and I'm still not happy. I'm still not proud. And so I realized I'm chasing all of these things. And it's really like this U-turn. Like we're sitting here chasing all of these things, trying to put a happy sticker on an empty gas tank and we're not filling up our gas. And it's really that U-turn of like, how about I just direct all of that energy back into myself and figure out the tools, how to accept that when I wake up, I am worthy. That's big. That's a huge step, especially if like you're in the thick of it. It doesn't happen overnight. And you hear these buzzwords all the time. People put them online like, man, you're enough as you are. I do it. I've, I've put up posts in the past where I like try to inspire people, even inspire myself. Like you're enough as you are. You don't need to change anything. You don't need to be someone else. You don't need to fake or pretend. Just being you and being you and you only is enough as you are. It's one thing telling yourself you're enough and it's another thing actually believing it. Yeah, so two things. Yes, they are buzzwords, but 
yes, they mean something. <laughs> so I'll say that when I was really feeling in the most worthless part and seeing that stuff, like when you're in the thick of it and you're just like, dude, get out of here. Like, I don't want that positive shit. Like get that out of my face. You know, you don't really want to hear it. It's almost annoying because you're just seeing all these happy people and you're like, whatever. But at the same time, if you keep seeing it, your brain is still receiving that message. So it's actually good, even though they're buzzwords and people are saying it, it's still good because you're still seeing it. And even though it pisses you off, it's triggering something because deep down you do believe you are enough, right? That's why it's triggering us. Triggers are like little love notes to our brain and our soul trying to say, hey, listen, this is why this is triggering you. This is a gift. I've caught myself in the past, you know, like trying to convince myself that I'm enough or, you know, that everything's good. And it's a very interesting perspective because some people are realists, right? And some people are very open and positive. I'm very positive. So even when the thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Are really shit and life's get sucks and things have happened that haven't been ideal and maybe I'm beating myself up I'm not good enough I haven't made where I want to be in life at this age and I'll continue telling myself you know you're great you're enough I'll wake up I'll put those stickers all over my house I'll write notes all over my desk I'll reassure myself I'll post I'll tell people I'll you know whatever it is but then after all that there are times when I never felt that I was putting it out in the world hoping for it to come back like a boomerang and it would never happen I agree. I'm not saying I don't agree with what you're saying. I agree because I've told myself things and I think with repetition, you, you start believing it and you start changing your behaviors and, and your attitudes and all that sort of stuff. But 
But then there are realists, people out there that go, you know, things do really suck and you're in a really shit position. You know, right now you're irresponsible. I'm not making the right choices in my life. I'm addicted to things that probably aren't helping me or serving me. I've got to pull myself out and acknowledge that, you know, I'm, I'm making shit decisions and I'm surrounding myself with bad people or whatever it is. And it's up to me to make a difference. And I'm in full control of my life. I think there's two very different differences there. hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And so two things that I'll say about that is like, if we think about like our life and how we grow up and the conditioning, so to speak, right. We grow up with these conditions and our parents, you know, from what I understand and what I believe is like, whoever we're with, they do the best that they can with what they know. Right. We have these conditioning patterns and beliefs, but think of how long it took us to believe that from children as adults. That's why I say the happy sticker on the empty gas tank because you can't just say oh i'm gonna change right now boom here yay we did it snaps like no if it took that long to build those neurons right firing and wiring those belief systems they're engraved they're coded in so it's a matter of like what you said as realists because i know when i was down out and i was drinking way too much and i had to get real with myself like that shit sucks but at the same time, I think the first thing is having that self-awareness. Self-awareness is key. When we know this is not good for me anymore, I want better. And just that alone is huge, right? Because if we sit here and just beat ourselves up constantly, we can't move from there. And what I had to learn was if I sit here and shame myself for my bad behavior and the things that I'm doing wrong... I am not going to be able to look for that light and get out of where I'm at now. So it almost takes that being super angry with yourself, being super angry with your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, whatever it is, you got to go through that feeling and that emotion and then be able to wake up with that new self-awareness of like, all right, I'm just going to start today. And something that really helped me with those really bad times was keeping one small promise to myself every single day that I know and knew that I could keep. Because if I did that, because my patterning in my brain was so like shit at that time, if I knew I could keep one promise and at night I go to bed and I'm like, well, that's the one good thing that happened today. Then I'm starting to create a new habit and pattern. Exactly. And you've kept your word and you've kept your promise and you've been accountable to it. And that builds self-confidence, right? And it's small. But if you can do that for one day, and then two days, and then three days, and then four days, and then here you are, what, 30 days, a month later, and then if you fall down, you start over again. And that was the biggest thing. Like, I'm big on failure. Like, oh, I'm a failure. I fucked up down the drain. Like, nope, just get back up. Just get back up. It's a new starting point again and again. And I literally had to train myself. We cannot look at yesterday. We cannot look at tomorrow. I think it's really great to visualize your future and know where you're going, right? We want to know that. But if we sit and focus and live in the past, we don't give any opportunity to grow into our future, right? And if we're thinking too far in our future, for me, it would just give me anxiety and stress that I'm already not there. Yeah, you're already thinking about something that you'll probably end up thinking about twice or three times before it even happens. And you're doubling stress up on your life that's unnecessary. So your career in singing and then the toxic relationships, being in bad relationships, being tied to those relationships because of your worth and feeling like you're unlovable and all that sort of stuff. So help me better understand, help us all better understand what, what is it that brings you back to these bad relationships in the moment? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Dr. Joe Dispenza says this. His books are amazing. If you haven't read him, you absolutely should. He's incredible. But he goes into talking about that people are addicted to the stress of their hormones, right? The hormones of stress. And when we've been living a certain way for so long, it's almost like for me personally, I didn't know what real love or, or calm state felt like. So I was so addicted to the hormones of stress that that's all I knew. And my brain was like, oh, well, that's comfortable. Just go back to that because things might change. Things might get better. So I kept going back to what was comfortable because it's what I knew. It was familiar to me. And we all want to go to what feels familiar, right? What feels good. Yeah, it doesn't feel foreign because foreign is scary. It's (laughs) fucking scary, man. (laughs) Even if it's good for us, it's still uncomfortable because growth for me in my experience is very uncomfortable, especially when you're stepping outside of that box, trying new things. That is like some scary shit, man. But the comfortability okay, at least I know what to expect. I know that I'm going to feel this way with this person. And now I know how to train my mind into like going around it or figuring out how to make the situation better. So I was completely addicted to stress. Right. And so it, it was just easy to go there until I went to my first Tony Robbins event, (laughs) UPW Unleash the Power Within. And I was one of those people. Yep. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was jumping and changing my nervous system. Yeah. Walking on fire. And I'm like, I can't do this. Yes. Literally that's how it is. And I love every minute of it. I'm a very intense person. (laughs) That's amazing. Okay. So that gives me a really, really good understanding of that. And I appreciate you sharing that because I've always been interested to find out how people end up back in the same sort of sticky situations that they know that's not good for them, but they end up back in them. And how do you break that cycle? It comes back to that kind of box thing. Like everywhere I turn, I'm just getting pain and suffering and it's getting worse. So it took me getting to that breaking point of like, I stopped talking to my entire family. You know, it was a very like terrible thing, but I also had a brand new baby, right? So I was singing overseas and got pregnant and I stopped singing And I had my son and I had a baby and that was my saving grace. I was like, I've got to figure this out. I'm not going to raise my son in an environment like this. And so that was the next thing, that fighting force that you find that you will do absolutely and anything for, like, forget about me. It was about my son at that time. And so it takes that leverage, that breaking point of you Everywhere you turn is giving you pain. It's time to change. And the only way to change is to break the pattern, like fast, break it. You got to break out of it and just go, right? There's no time to sit and waddle in it. And that's really what it was for me. So when I went to that Tony Robbins event, it like built my stamina up. And as soon as I got home, I packed my bags and I was out. Okay. So some of the people listening that want to break the cycle and they want to try something that sort of just shifts their journey into something that's going to be better for them in the long run. Could you give me any other examples of ways that people could do that? Are we talking about stepping out of their comfort zones, trying new things, being in a different relationship, being open to things that are probably more scary? Are these the things that we're talking about? Yeah. So something that I would say that I think has been the most impactful for me is really quieting the mind. One of my favorite sayings ever is when you don't know, you know. 
I think all of those things that you suggested are really great. Trying new things, getting in, you know, out of old relationships and hanging out with new people. Your environment is so crucial, man. And we got to be able to first think greater than our environment. So if you're in a really shitty environment and something that is very stressful, we have to control what's happening here. And that was what it was for me. I have to control what's happening in my mind. The biggest way and the biggest tool that I'll share is the gift of breathing exercises, um, breath work, and that can go into meditation, really quieting your mind and then journaling what you truly want in life and write down the things that are holding you back or what you feel is holding you back. And then being able to look at that and say, okay, is this in alignment with what I want? Because if it's not, then we go to the drawing board and say, all right, well, what are the things that I need to do that are going to make this possible to change the trajectory of my life right now? Because it's not happening. And I'd say the biggest tool out of everything, like I said, is quieting the mind, finding a way. And that could be anything from going on a walk outside, incredibly good for your nervous system. Like I said, meditation, breath work, movement, go work out, go dance, anything like that, just to be able to calm the nervous system down, find that grace period and be able to build from that point. I love some of the strategies that you've implemented in your own life that have gotten you to a place of peace, but also a place of looking at a higher power, which we'll talk before we wrap up this podcast. But an area I want to talk about, obviously, so from having your son to losing your brother, how many years apart was that? And what was that like for you? Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I had my son and we moved back to Arizona when he was three, just a few months for me to get on my feet and figure out where me and my son were going to go. The goal was to go back to LA. And at the time I was, I went back to my mom's house and my mom was taking care of my nephews. My sister really struggled with Um, drugs and alcohol severely. She was addicted to many different things off and on. And so my mom had her kids in the house. So we all kind of lived together. And within the six months that I was there, my sister was just about to get her kids back, was doing really well. And she went out drinking one night, hopped on the back of a motorcycle and they were completely drunk, her and her friend. And he was driving his motorcycle through the the neighborhood and those little dips that like go under kind of like speed bumps, but like down, he was flying through that thing. They weren't wearing helmets and they dipped under. She flew off and hit head first and passed away. And so the boys were already going through trauma with her and him. And now I was in this house healing from all of these things. My son is three we were a really tight knit family. And we just, from there, it was very tragic and it was very sad, but we stood together and we really made it a pact to just help each other out. So from then I stayed, all right, I'm living here. I'm going to help my mom. My mom travels for work. So we all just really worked together during that time. And then a little bit fast forward later, that was the part where my brother started to really go downhill. It was really hard for him because he struggled with his relationship with my sister, Christy. So he had some shame around that because they didn't have the best relationship towards up to when she passed away. So after that, he shortly went through a divorce, had a lot of pressure at work, and he was doing really well financially. And within that two-year gap after my sister passed, 
we were all at my brother's house for Cinco de Mayo this past May. So 2020 during quarantine, my brother just got a brand new house, brand new Maserati, brand new baby boy in the NICU, six weeks old. And we were all at his house for Cinco de Mayo. And I had never seen my brother like this. He was drinking and all of us were drinking and having a good time. And there was just so much built up tension and I could see it in his face and incident happened that night. And it was only me, my brother's girlfriend and him. And we were all sitting there and my brother just turned to rage out of nowhere. And I think it was just all of his built up tension and he just screaming at me and just was so mad. And we had such a great relationship and it was just so bizarre. So I decided to leave. And when I left 20 minutes later, he shot himself in his bathroom. And that was just absolutely tragic. And what I'll say with that is that's when I had the worst of the worst of my life. That next month of my life, I was in a psychiatric hospital. I shamed myself for leaving. I shamed myself for wishing I could have done better. And it was my fault. And Sometimes I look back and I just can't believe how much pain I truly was in. And I didn't think I was going to make it. I wanted to go at that time, just being completely honest with you. I just didn't know how I was going to do it. And so after that, I, I shortly just remembered there's a light. And I got back to meditating and I got back to breathing and I could feel him. I could feel my sister. I could feel my brother. I could feel their presence. And I know not everybody believes in that stuff and that's totally okay. But for me and my experience, I know that when we go through loss, especially suicide and any things of this, it is one of the most painful things you could ever go through in your life. But something that I learned with grief is that it's not that we have to move on without them. We move on with them. They're never not a part of us. And I know that may be hard to hear if you're really going through it right now, but that has given me light every single day. And I know that they're always with me and I never move on without them. Their physical body may not be here, but he and her are always, always with me. Mm, Very powerful stuff. And I appreciate you, Lindsay, sharing that with all of us. I mean, yeah, it's chilling even to hear that sort of story, you know, and it wouldn't have taken you guys to some very dark areas and dark corners in your mind. No doubt about it. I mean, looking back at all that, would there be anything you'd do differently if you were given those same situations again that maybe could educate people? I feel like you and I resonate a lot in in regards to like you're with your brother momentarily before he ended his life. And, you know, I was with my friend not long before he took his life. And, you know, I would have done a lot of different things if I had my chance again, you know, so. You made me think of something while you asked me that. And what's interesting is that night, I remember crying, telling him outside how much I loved him. I told him that night, I just said, you're such a great brother. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. Like trying, he was talking to me about some things that he was going through that night. I think the biggest thing of any piece of advice that I could give to anyone, you know, even with my sister losing her tragically, there's things I wish I could have done different. And and if it's anything, it's telling people every day that you love them, sharing with them what they mean to you, always pointing out the positives in them, telling them that they're special and unique and Everybody needs to hear that. And a lot of people that are suffering, actually, most of the people that are suffering are never going to ask for that. And you never know if you just think of someone 
And we, I think we've all done this where you just think of someone, you're like, dang, I should text them. And then you don't. What if that text in that moment, they were doing something and you text them and, and you may never know, but it stopped them from getting in that car, from taking that drink, from taking that pill, doing that thing, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But we don't know the severity of the impact that we have on people's lives. And if we can lead with anything, lead with love and continue to put that positive enforcement into people, because that's really what we need, right? Because foolishly scolding somebody is not going to do anything. That's just going to tear them down even more. So just constantly giving that impact and sharing your love and being open about it. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Absolutely. And I, and again, I'm very sorry to hear about your loss. I mean, we're not even a year on since Ryan's passing, but I know you're up to some good stuff. You and your mother and your family are up to some great stuff. If we learned anything from these experiences is they would want us to live our best life and be happy. So they are working with us and we know that, and we're going to continue to move forward, spread love, hold each other close. And uh, to everyone out there listening, just keep going one day at a time and it's going to be okay. You heard that, guys, one day at a time, one step at a time. And sometimes, I mean, we can take three or four steps forward and sometimes we can get tackled and we lose all those steps and we feel like we've lost our momentum. But I promise you this, that work that you put in to get those three or four steps, regardless of if you get pushed back, they're always growth steps. You always learn something from it. I've always been a big believer in that. Yeah. It's just then about implementing the things that probably don't work for you in a new way or a new perspective. And, you know, Lindsay's told you a few times in this podcast, guys, ways that you can, you know, look after yourself, ways that you can get out of relationships that might not be serving you any well anymore, ways that you can love yourself, look after yourself, nurture yourself. And look in the mirror and be proud of where you are in your life and what you've actually achieved and stop putting so much pressure on yourself. And I love that. Yeah, I love that you said that. And just a little reminder, something that helped me too, is when we know what we don't want, we know what we do want. Let the contrast fuel your fire. It's there for a reason. And without our pain, we would not have the strength that we have today or where you're at today. And sometimes you might fall down the stairs. I've done it a million times over, but that is the way that we learn. It's either, you know, fear, fuck everything and run or face everything and rise. And that is what I lead my life with and keep going, keep striving. It's okay. And I love you. <laughs> exactly. You heard it. And that's exactly how it is guys. And, and I, I do want to close off by saying whatever situation that you're in right now, whatever situations that might be coming towards you, whether they're good or bad or in between, know that these things are there for your growth. And sometimes they might be very bad and you might go through very traumatic experiences. And I feel like one thing I've learned from you today, Lindsay, is taking those experiences with both hands and finding out how you can propel forward without forgetting about those bad experiences because you're going to probably carry them with you for the rest of your life, no doubt. And there'll be times where you end up beating yourself up and there'll be probably times where you might feel like, what could I have done differently or what should I have done? Or I feel guilty and all that sort of stuff. But we all must stay in the present. We must understand that the past is the past. We cannot change it. But what we can do right now is 
implement small baby steps, move in the right direction, be honest with ourselves and put our hand up when we're struggling because sometimes people can't see that you're struggling because we put on this happy face all the time. Big love goes out to you, your family and your sister and your brother and and I know that you've got a big family and your other brother and your dad and everyone else. So keep up the great work. Big love from living. And on behalf of myself, we're all very thankful for your time. Thank you so much. Same to you, Sam. Thank you, guys. Thank you again for listening in to another episode of It Ain't Week to Speak. Please like, share, and spread the love to as many people as you can. Let people know that you subscribe to the show. Don't forget to leave a review or a comment so that we can grow this community together because a conversation could save a life. If you want to continue this chat, please join me on the podcast Facebook group at living.org. I can't wait to share the next episode with you, but in the meantime, stay well, keep living, and remember, it ain't weak to speak. Thank you and have a top day. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.